Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, for the fifth year in a row, there are four teams left, and one of them is the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think about that? It's pretty amazing to me. I can't, I can't really wrap my head around this. This is something that... No other team has ever done, and thanks to the Bengals winning on yes. Sunday, it'll be a, another uh, home game to extend that streak, So, um, which nobody has ever done before. There's been two other teams that have um, gone to five or more consecutive championship games, but no other team has hosted it that many times in a row. It's kind of it's astonishing, actually, that it's happened. Yeah, as John is alluding to, if you live under a rock here, and beautiful Kansas City. <laughs> the Chiefs would have played the Bills. This game would have been in a neutral site, seemingly ending the streak of the, the Chiefs hosting the game. I, I guess even though they technically would have been hosting it elsewhere in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bengals winning takes the, the neutral site out of it. Why is that? Because uh, the Chiefs were ahead of the Bengals by a game when they, they stopped the DeMar Hamlin game. So the neutral site, did not extend to these two because the Bengals couldn't have caught up to the Chiefs anyway. And so the Chiefs have that higher seed and and they will host the game at GEHA Field, uh, as Chris Jones likes to call it, GEHA Field <laughs> at Arrowhead Stadium. And that'll be for the, the fifth year in a row. And I think that's <laughs> impressive, right? Because you got to put yourself in a, in a pretty good position. There have been a couple of years in this where the Chiefs weren't the top seed, and it just mm-hmm. so happened that the the seed ahead of them got knocked out. So the the game ended up at at Arrowhead, which is just really cool. No team's ever hosted five in a row, and because of the circumstances, it's not even that unofficial asterisk hosting that would have taken taken place in Atlanta. It'll be right here at Arrowhead. Which John, I I got to tell you, I don't know if I had told you this yet, but I was planning on getting my snacks together and gassing up the car and driving the 12 hours to Atlanta. So no bigger Bengals fan than me on Sunday who did not want to drive <laughs> the 12 hours to Atlanta. And I, I no longer have to. It'll be a, a nice 15-minute ride on what will be early Sunday afternoon to Arrowhead, John. You know, I had uh, made plans like that myself in 1993 when the Chiefs were headed to the AFC Championship game against the Bills uh, mm-hmm. of all teams. Um, because uh, the Super Bowl was going to be in Atlanta that year. And yeah. I had arranged for press credentials, and I've got uh, a good friend who lives in Atlanta who'd agreed to put me up, and I'd figured out how to get make the airfare happen. It was it was all very exciting. And then, of course, um, Joe Montana hit his head, and that didn't, didn't go down. Yeah. But, the rest, uh, as they so say. Can, so I can identify with what you're talking about. Is, is history. Yes, unfortunate history there. Fortunate history right now as the Chiefs, I think, 
and I think this is fair to say, I mean, it's about to get really a lot harder, but there are two wins away from this thing being a dynasty. You don't go to five in a row and come over two championships without mm-hmm. being able to say you're a dynasty. And and how surreal is that uh, as a fan of this team with all the history and, and all the trials and tribulations to be on the cusp of something that special? I, th- I think that's a pretty cool time to be a Chiefs fan. Uh, no reviews this week, which is a, a stark difference than when we were trying to pump up the reviews for that disgusting episode where I was talking with cake in my mouth the entire time. I'm happy that happy that that uh, is in the rearview mirror. What is ahead now is a week after a 27 to 20 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars as the Chiefs get to play what has really become their arch nemesis in a sense in the Cincinnati Bengals who have had their number now three games running. There's only one quarterback that seems to have the number of Patrick Mahomes in the entire league. It's Joe Burrow who's coming into Arrowhead. Uh, now on, on Sunday for the, the conference title to see who goes to the Super Bowl. The Bengals, of, car, of course, came back last year to to beat the Chiefs in the second half. So talk about how the Chiefs kind of always have a lack of revenge games. Not, not, not the case this week. This is as revenge game as it gets in the same exact location as, as last year's game. You have the Bengals, John, and, and you've been looking into this a little bit. They're feeling themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. They There is no... A sign of humility right now in Cincinnati. <laughs> they they were a little disrespected, you know. I I think, and I don't necessarily blame them in any way. And this is something I'd said at the SB Nation NFL level. I just think that ahead of the season, everyone was crowning the Bills, and it was really unfair mm-hmm. to Kansas City who would beat them. It was really unfair to Cincinnati who beat the Chiefs, who beat the Bills. And you, you see, like, and I, I had said this all offseason, I just don't get the disrespect. I don't get the disrespect for the Chiefs. I don't get the disrespect for the Bengals. And now you get to the end of the AFC playoffs and who's left? It's Cincinnati and it's Buffalo. And in my opinion, John, it, it's the two best teams. So I, I know that this is a harder road, I, I think, than it would have been to to play the Bills in Atlanta. I, you know, I really feel that. But I, I think it's going to be a little bit sweeter if the Chiefs are able to pull it off uh, coming up this Sunday in the AFC title game. I think that's fair. I I think that um, it's harder for us to be in the mindset of Bengals fans here because you're exactly right. Um, You know, they were defending AFC champions and nobody was picking them to be the odds on favorite to go and represent the, the AFC uh, this season. And I, I'm sure that that's been hurtful to them. Uh, over the course of the year to both the the team and its fans. And then, of course, it was made worse by this whole business about the the tickets being sold in Atlanta for uh, the game that the Chiefs might play there against the Bills. And, of course, that happens with every championship game. The Chiefs were selling tickets for it. The Bengals were selling tickets for it. And, you know, it was all it all kind of got blown out of proportion and added to that narrative. And so now the Bengals are kind of worked up about it. And I, I think that's kind of unfortunate because they've certainly earned uh, the yeah. opportunity to be in this game. And and as you note, uh, you know, they have done very well against the Chiefs in these last three meetings. So Joe Burrow, it should be a great game. Yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow, after the win over the Bills, went on to TV and said, better send those refunds to <laughs> Chiefs fans and Bills fans who are preparing for the AFC title. And I said it, John. I mean, I I said it. I said, you know who this is ultra motivating for? Cincinnati through Miami. And Cincinnati was one of the the teams that was able Mm -hmm. to to get it done. And you knew that it was easy bulletin board material. I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans now saying, well, they were selling tickets for Jaguars, Cincinnati at their stadium. Not the same thing. I mean, you had people 
that were making levels of topics for talk shows in, in the sense of what I mean by that is people were so assuming, and this is more at a national level, that it was going to be Chiefs and Bills. They were right. arguing right. whether it was a good idea to have it at a neutral site because now you're setting a precedent. Like it was almost assumed that everyone was mm-hmm. going to be in Atlanta. And so yeah. I don't blame the, the Bengals for leaning into that and getting motivation. And just like now, uh, and we're about to put up an article on arrowheadpride.com. John, John's been diving in. The Bengals are talking some smack that the Chiefs are going to have easy motivation to to put up, uh, you know, your, your quote unquote bulletin board material. So we'll be covering that at, at arrowheadpride.com. And I, and I think this is really turning into quite the spicy rivalry. And we'll see another chapter of it coming up uh, on Sunday. Sunday starts on Monday, of course. Andy Reid is still doing his Monday press conferences, and that, that's a very good thing. He spoke to the media earlier today. We have the full press conference right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. You can get it on From the Podium. We're going to play some highlights for you right here and and discuss, John. First, uh, of course, the question right now is surrounding Patrick Mahomes, that high ankle sprain. How is he preparing to play? Here's Andy Reid. You know, we, the game plan part, we don't have to do much either way. I mean, they both run the same play. So um, as, as far as the reps, I, I've got to see how he, how he feels, uh, you know, when we get ready for practice. Andy, of course, talking about if Chad Henney had to go in, there isn't a complete game plan shift. They are all from the same pool of plays. But I, I thought Jared Sapp did a nice job of in, in his article at Arrowhead Pride. John was saying and, and highlighting how Henney had that play out to Tony on the third and three in the flat ranked high. So mm-hmm. you ha- what what that seems to be is Mahomes and, and Henney both have a game plan, but they rank the plays that they feel most comfortable with right from x to x and maybe that wouldn't have been a play call necessarily that andy Reid called if mahomes had been in the game during that 98 yard touchdown drive they have plays that that they know henny likes and why not that was the same type of look that you saw henny again mr divisional round in two years ago <laughs> divisional round throwing to to tyree kill in the flat and, and clinching the game and and what a job by Chad Henney to, to come in and and to keep the, the ship afloat in a sense. I'll, I'll let you talk in a second, John. I, I think the <laughs> narrative here is that Patrick is dealing with the same type of injury he dealt with what was three years ago in 2019. Remember week mm-hmm. one against the Jaguars, right. he suffered a high ankle sprain. And there's been some parallel because he was able to push through in that game, but it did impact him. And we've been asking Andy Reid, like how close are these two injuries? Here's Reid. Yeah, I think this one isn't quite as bad as that one, Sam. But I mean, they're similar. They're yeah, sore, but not not quite the same. So that, that's good news that it, it's not as bad because you remember it was clearly hindering him that year. Didn't really end up mm-hmm. healing until later. But I I think what you get and and I'll throw it to you, John, is a situation where Mahomes is not going to be a hundred percent. It's just how close to that mm-hmm. can they get him? And I think eighty percent. Let's just say that that's the number. 80% of Patrick Mahomes is is great. I mean, it's better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. It's not better than 100% Joe Burrow, and I think that's the ultimate concern as we go in and, and monitor what happens with Mahomes this week. Well, and that really just means that it's going to be more of a team effort. And I don't think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. for the Chiefs to be put in that situation where because it was on, on Sunday. 
um, you know, the, the defense stepped up. They said after the game, oh, yeah, well, we knew we had to, you know, really put our noses down and, and make plays because Patrick was hurt. And I kept thinking every time I heard them say that, well, yeah, but wouldn't you do that anyway in a playoff game? But, uh, you know, whatever. We'll just <laughs> we'll just move on from that. But, yeah, I, I think yeah. that uh, I think that even a dilapidated Patrick Mahomes is what is the guy that you want on the field. Yeah. Um, the question is whether or not that's going to be enough. And that's what we don't know. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was largely enough in the in regular season games three years ago. But I don't know. I, it's going to be a difficult game for the Chiefs. I don't think there's much question about that. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I, I think it's going to take everybody. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be one of these games where you're going to be wanting Patrick to scramble, which, man, in the postseason has been one of his calling cards. Right. Where, man, now you're facing one of the elite defenses in the NFL. Guys are covered downfield. All right, but there's nobody in front of you. Let me go go and run the 8 to 15 yards for what will be the touchdown. I tend to think that's not going to be there for him. He's going to be a little bit more of a, a stationary quarterback. So it's going to be these guys getting open early. And I, I wonder if we continue to see a little bit more sky more because he's very good at breaking off the line and, and getting open. Darius Tony is another guy, Jared McKinnon. Maybe they lean into having Isaiah Pacheco carry the ball a little bit more like we did see during that Chad Henney drive, how big Pacheco was. Uh, don't want to don't want to spoil any marinated takeaways there, but I just think <laughs> you're going to have to be a little bit more well-rounded, and I think you're right about that as you enter this game with the Bengals. Speaking of those Bengals, they've now beat the Chiefs three times in a row. What can the Chiefs learn about those losses? Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, well, we we know they're talented uh, in all three phases. Um, it's the same guys playing against each other, so. I'm sure both teams will have adjustments that they make and both teams will play hard. And I'm, we'll just see how, I mean, these games have been close. So we'll just see, see where it goes uh, come game time. Pretty, pretty PR answer from Andy Reid there. But I, I think the, the key for me there was him saying these games have been close. And that's been my point against the Bengals. Like I've said this a million times about this year. I just think we would have looked at the entire year differently had Travis Kelsey not fumbled against the Bengals, right? Because that mm-hmm. kept the narrative up. Right. The Chiefs can beat up everybody else, but not the Bills and the Bengals. The other elite contenders. Well, they were they were going to beat the Bengals had it not been for that fumble and allowing right. the Bengals back in. And I think Andy Reid knows that. I think he just realizes how close they are. And it, and it just reaffirms the idea of playing turnover-free football. The Chiefs are still undefeated when they don't turn the football over. And I, I think that'll be the case if they can do it against the Bengals. Right. That's going to be a, a key point. And, you know, this is this is the thing that uh, becomes the basis of an argument between uh, Chiefs fans and Bengals fans is that it's it's OK for Bengals fans to say we've won three in a row. But it's also OK for Chiefs fans to say, yeah, but it was by a total of nine points, mm-hmm. you know, and one play going the other way in each one of these games uh, could have drastically uh, affected the outcome. So, um, you know, they're entitled to hold that 0-3 record over the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are also entitled to point out that these games were very close and could have gone either way. Yeah, and and I know the whole cliche of of horses and and hand grenades, but I I think (laughs) something to build on, and and it's something to keep the the Chiefs honest about. And and Mm -hmm. a big part of this, too, will be just, how the Bengals defense has found a way to have its way to an extent with Patrick Mahomes. 
Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. Andy Reid was asked about what he brings to the table. Here's what Reid said. First of all, he's done a great job. Um, He puts his guys in good position to make plays. Um, He has a variety of different coverages and fronts that he works with. Um, His players understand him. Zones are tight. They do a good job of man-to-man. So well-rounded scheme that he has. So there you go. The the Chiefs, of course, paying all the respects and compliments to the Bengals as the Bengals go in another direction. The Chiefs tried to talk smack that first time around with Justin Reed, and it didn't really go particularly (laughs) well. So I don't think you'll be seeing a ton of bulletin board material coming out of of Kansas City. But I I think it, it does play into the fact that these Bengals have a have a big time disrespected type of card that that they're playing and and they're not afraid to to use it there and, and we'll see how it plays out john on, on sunday yeah um this is going to be quite a game um there's a lot of narratives here there's a lot of uh things to talk about um and there are two really good teams that have some recent history that's you know all meshed into this deal uh, this is a game that that we're going to be talking about, I think, for quite a while afterwards. Almost no matter which way it goes. Yeah, and and I think, really, if you look at the NFC side too, these are very clearly the four best teams. I don't think we always get that on mm-hmm. Championship sure. Sunday. Yeah, but the, I, and I tried to, to tell people going into to Bills Bengals, not trying to be I, I told you so guy too much because, look. On the NFC side, I thought the Giants would cover, and I thought the Cowboys would win. So I don't always know what I'm talking about. What I, I did know what I was talking about is the Bills did not look good in the second half, and I knew that it was yeah. only a matter of time until they got beat in a big spot and the Bengals had their way. It wasn't just one of these things where the Bengals pulled it out in a, in a tough game. I mean, they were in Buffalo. It is the lake effect. It's snowing. People are fired up. The crowd is loud. Demar Hamlin is, is in the building, right? Yeah. All kinds of momentum, every reason to win that game. And Joe Burrow and the Bengals came in and they were clearly wire to wire the better football team. Right. And so you're left with the the four best teams here, I think, in the league that make it to the, the final Sunday. And I look at both games as coin flips. I would not be stunned if there's any combination of these four teams that that goes into the Super Bowl. I think sometimes you'll get a team in there. You're like, wow. This would be, really be a stunner if they're able to to go to the Super Bowl. Maybe last year that was the Bengals, but it's just it's not the case anymore. The, this is not your 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 daddy's Bengals. These are <laughs> these are these are legit Bengals, and I, I think a lot of people are giving them that credit this time. And nobody would be shocked if they're able to come in in Arrowhead and win. Of course, I mean they they won three in a row. Same thing on the other side. As good as Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have been, the 49ers are such a good team. So mm-hmm. should be yeah. a fascinating Sunday of football. Really. Looking forward to to both games. The 49ers and Eagles kick off in Philadelphia at 2 p.m. Arrowhead time, followed by Bengals at Chiefs at at GEHA Field, Arrowhead Stadium, 5.30 uh, local time, Arrowhead time. So we will be gearing up to Sunday all throughout the week right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. When we come back on the editor show, it's those world-famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. 
We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It's the championship edition, championship week edition of the Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney and, and John Dixon. And, man, it... it it's that it's that time of the week which we know you love. I've seen the reviews. I, I saw them through the, those sugary bites of cake that I had to eat on the <laughs> second week, week of the new year. Uh, the Chiefs defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson's Jaguars, twenty-seven to twenty, in was a, a hard-fought game on on Sunday or Saturday, I should say. Never really felt like the Chiefs were in, in too much danger, but it, it was interesting at times, John. We're going to start with you for your first marinated takeaway of the game. What do you have? Well, I was going to uh, start with that very thing, uh, talking about this game in comparison to the Week 10 game between these teams in the regular season. Um, I I think one of the things that people said about it was, well, it's uh, it's a 10-point victory, but it was a game that felt like it was in hand uh, throughout the game. And I felt that way about this game as well. Um, yes, you know, it was a closer result at the end, but, um, I, I really felt like the chiefs had this game under control right from the opening gun. And that's good. You know, uh, nobody was expecting this Jaguars team to come out and be, uh, super fantastic. In a lot of ways you could characterize them as the weakest team in the AFC last weekend. Um, but, um, I think there was concern that the Chiefs wouldn't take care of business. And it seemed to me like they did take care of business in this game. Um, you know, the, if without the the long special teams returns, two of them in this game, um, it might have been a, a beatdown by any reasonable description. So I was very pleased uh, with the fact that the Chiefs were able to control this postseason game. Yeah, I, I think a big part of that, as the Chiefs were changing quarterbacks and no one knew what was going on, was just that steady mm-hmm. hand of Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is unbelievable. I I know yeah. that the Jags were really bad against tight ends this year, and I know I know that you know from playing DFS and fantasy sports, sometimes you think that it's going to matter, and then all of a sudden that tight end has a quiet game. So everything everything it, it raises in the playoffs, the level raises, and so. You had extra attention at times on Travis Kelsey. It didn't matter. I mean, you had a, a situation where he's suddenly playing with Chad Henney. Doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. We, we always talk about the mind meld between Mahomes and, and Kelsey. Man, Chad Henney sat for 18 weeks and looked like he had a mind meld with, with, with Kelsey as well, <laughs> right? The Henney-Kelsey mind meld, hitting Kelsey for <laughs> a touchdown. 
Andy the Jags, <laughs> a lot, a lot of the time they weren't really banging uh, Kelsey at the line, and I, I thought he took advantage. It, it seemed like a, a bad plan in a way, and and Kelsey made them pay. I thought this was interesting. He caught all thirteen of his targets under ten air yards for eighty four of the, I believe it was ninety eight yards and and the two touchdowns. So it was just, man, it, if Kelsey's just open underneath, he can do that shimmy shake. You're gone, and then he kills you with the yak, the yakmeister, and uh, and wow, what a what a weapon for the Chiefs, and remains to be. And, and you know, we make so much of what Mahomes has done this early into his career. I think you could say the same thing about Travis Kelsey this late into his career. I, you know, I know the tight end position is a little bit different than wide receivers and running backs who seem to completely fall off. But he is just so clearly the best at the position in, in the game, and it, it doesn't show any signs still. Of slowing down he's 33 years old and and it does seem like intense to play next year regardless of how this season plays out so what a weapon that's all i gotta say about it. that's my first narrative takeaway what a weapon travis kelsey remains uh, <laughs> at the ripe ripe age of, of 33 34 well you can't uh, you, there's nothing to say about that you know you're this has been true all season um for most of the season he led the league among all receivers with 12 touchdowns i I don't think I think someone finally exceeded that because Kelsey didn't have any for a number of games there at the end of the season. But uh, it was kind of astonishing to see the way that he uh, dominated uh, his opponents and the other tight ends in the league this year. Pretty amazing. Although I must say that uh, George Kittle had quite a catch um, Mm -hmm. in yesterday's uh, game against um, George Kittle's been George Kittle's been banged up for a while and. I imagine you know, once he has a complete healthy season, he he could maybe reemerge into that conversation. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing too that Kelsey has on his side. I, I'm not going to say the thing that I know, know that some of you are thinking, but let's just say that Kelsey's very durable, and uh, sometimes <laughs> that that matters more than anything else. All right, John, what is your next marinated takeaway? Uh, I was kind of surprised. Um that we didn't see the Jaguars doing more crazy stuff. I really kind of expected that from Doug Peterson in this game. I I think he understood that they had a pretty substantial hill to climb in order to beat the Chiefs. And and that's not to say he didn't call some excellent plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, The play that they called in the red zone that uh, forced George Karlaftis into coverage uh, on Kirsch, Christian Kirk was an excellent play call uh, from the Eagles. I know a lot of people are complaining about that. Um, you know, like Steve Spagnuolo deliberately put Karlaftis out there in coverage. No, <laughs> that's not what happened. This, this was not. This was not as bad yeah. as Antonio Brown, Justin Houston. It really right. wasn't. Totally different situation here, and I I really want to caution people from letting yeah. that become a thing that we talk about all the time because it was really just a great play call from Doug Peterson, but we yes. didn't see a lot of, you know, going for it or on fourth down or, you know, uh, special teams aggressiveness. Uh, they had some, a uh, couple of big returns, but uh, they didn't, you know, I just didn't see the kinds of things I expected to see from Doug Peterson in this game. And I, I was kind of surprised, frankly. Yeah, I, I well, it was a little bit more, I think vanilla than, than you thought it might be. Um, mm-hmm. and, and look, the Jaguars were in it, right? If they don't have that fluke fumble at the end, maybe this is a lot more interesting. And, but that, sure. that's, 
that's what goes into to learning here. I, I think, you know, a point that sticks out for me about the Jags is this was just the beginning for them. I, you know, I know I saw a, a tweet that I think it was Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer that said something similar where the Jags were just getting started. Man, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, I know he was only, what, 24 of 39 for 217 in a touchdown in this game. I think he is very clearly a franchise quarterback, and I think he's going to be a, that annoying thorn in the <laughs> AFC as we go here because the AFC South, look, it stinks. It, it really stinks, which it, it, it lends credit to, to the Jags. That it, Chiefs division, I think it, it'll be better next year. Over the years, it's been pretty bad. That's that's a plus because you, you, you're playing – teams that you're clearly better than and you're probably going to be in the playoffs every year and if you're in the playoffs every year you get this experience and I, I just think the Jags will be much more equipped next year I'm eager to see how that program continues to to develop but I, I tend to agree with you my next takeaway is how about these rookies for the Chiefs mm, yeah. Isaiah Pacheco we had mentioned had that key 39 yard run when Chad Henney's in the game Chad's not going to be able to do himself like Mahomes can a, a lot of the time and so he needs help from other guys and Pacheco so had some fumbling issues quietly. No fumble uh, in this game. Was able to get 95 yards um, on, on the 12 attempts. At times, really, I thought, in, in a game especially where Mahomes got injured, uh, and let's say you take Kelsey out of this mix because he would be the next up, but let's take Kelsey and, and the quarterbacks out. But Pacheco looked like maybe the, one of the better players on the field in this game, mm-hmm. and that's, that's yeah. key for the rookies. And then you go on the other side of it with Trent McDuffie and Jalen Watson, McDuffie, uh, was able to get a pass defensed for combined tackles. Jalen Watson, of course, had the, the three tackles, uh, the two passes defensed, including the one-handed interception to to seal the game. And, you know, Jalen Watson and Isaiah Pacheco were taken in, in the seventh round of the NFL draft. The seventh round of the NFL draft. Uh, so kudos to, to Brett Veach for having the the – smarts to take these guys who you know a lot of times late in the draft you're looking for these raw traits but man they have developed real quick here in kansas city and and you you go from a rookie in in a way to a veteran quick and i I think that's the case for these two guys and two guys taken in the the seventh john yeah i i you know we have or anyway i have been saying (laughs) ever since uh patrick mahomes signed this huge contract that's got him tied to the team for so long that sooner or later the Chiefs were going to have to depend almost entirely on the draft to bring in new talent, that they just weren't going to be able to afford uh, to spend big money in free agency. And we were just going to have to get used to the idea that we were going to have rookies on the team and they were going to come in and play, and and we just got to get used to it. Well, this is what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, the, the Chiefs bringing in a lot of players and putting guys who are late-round draft picks on the field and seeing them perform. And I and I have said versions of this over the years, and I, I just feel that it bears repeating. There's not really that much difference between a guy who's taken in the first round and one who's taken in the second, the seventh round. When you get right down to it, we're talking about the difference between the 98th percentile and the 99th percentile of college players, and they there's not going to be a whole lot of difference between these cats. What makes a difference is that the opportunity is the opportunities that they get, and that is that a seventh round player isn't going to be as likely to get on the field as a guy who's taken in an earlier round, and so they get they end up, be, you know, becoming more successful uh, than than uh, than the 
players taken late in the draft. But we just see a great example of this uh, with San Francisco's quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, who comes into a situation and plays great, and he's playing in the playoffs. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing with these young seventh seventh round players like Pacheco and Jalen Watson is that you give these players taken late in the draft the opportunity to play that they can easily surprise you. Um, And so I think it's just a a great example of why we shouldn't just assume a guy taken in the last round of the draft is not going to be a contributor. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and it's a good reminder to to stick around. Uh, wow, this this leads into a great tease for Arrowhead Pride. Couple couple months from now, you you should be checking right. in day three of the NFL draft on that Saturday. No, don't don't shut off your TV or your internet at, you know, any too quickly. I mean, these guys might be having yeah. one handed interceptions in next year's divisional round. So stay tuned for that coming up soon. Of course, after the the Super Bowl parade, right, John? All right, right what's exactly. your final marinated takeaway for? for this game. Um, I was surprised by one other thing in this game that uh, when Chad Henney came out, uh, everybody talked about uh, his famous play uh, to con- to convert the first down at the end of the game against the Cleveland Browns, but nobody said a word about the terrible interception he threw <laughs> earlier in that game. Yes. And it's, it struck me how, uh, how easily we can forget those kinds of Revisionist things with the, with the right narrative. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Any given Saturday, it yeah. was the was the the quote I was seeing a, a lot from Chiefs fans. Yeah, Chad Henney's the perfect backup. I thought this was sure. cool. Uh, I think an underrated part of Chad Henney entering the game was that it came against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who years ago told him, "Chad, look, you're not a starter in this league." Well. Yeah. I mean, I know it's regime and regime and regime ago, but still, I think that's pretty cool to knock that yeah, sure. team who t- told yeah. you that out of out of the playoffs, and and so a, a good moment for Chad. I I have a final takeaway about the 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 quarterback who came back in the game with his his high ankle sprain, which is, I mean that that's toughness, right? Like a high ankle sprain is is pretty bad. But if you go back and watch Mahomes. Uh, when he re-enters the game and, and gets his feet under him and is leading that drive to, to pretty much steal it, talking about the touchdown throw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he kind of, of course he leads off his left foot as you would, but you can kind of see how much pain he he's in because he, as he does it, the right leg, which he injured, uh, kicks up and he kind of hops on one foot, Kadarius Tony style. And still, I mean, I know that Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a big target, but still hits him pretty accurately for for the touchdown. And, you know, boy, did the Chiefs need it. This really put the game out of reach. But it at that point, midway through the fourth quarter, if, let's say, the Jaguars are able to hold the Chiefs to a field goal, they're getting the ball back and down six instead of, of you know, what ended up being 10 with the touchdown. And so just kudos to Mahomes, who clearly didn't look right fought through and then hit MBS, you know, and, and if they're able to go and do this win against the Bengals and win the Super Bowl, not a lot of people are going to remember this play, but it was so important for, for him to, to hit MBS like he did. And really that whole drive I thought was pretty impressive from Pat on a high ankle sprain, staying in, in the game. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes this costs players six weeks. Pat was back in, in a quarter's time. Yeah. Um, uh... No question, a gutsy performance from Mahomes. And, you know, this is a 
a dichotomy here because we love to see a player who wants to go in and play when he's been injured, that he's so determined to get out there and play. But yeah. at the same time, <laughs> we don't want them to go back there because, uh, you know, he's a valuable player and we need for him to heal up and we need for him not to make things worse. So it was, I, I thought it, it struck me how it was kind of a, 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 a dichotomy in this game for the fans to watch Mahomes uh, arguing to stay on the field. And that's a positive, but it was also a negative in its own way. It was kind of, it was kind of hard to watch. Actually. Well, it, it was tough even being at the stadium because you could see that he couldn't put weight on it at first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point you think fracture. And if it was fracture, Chad Henney would be playing in, in the playoffs and there would be no question. You can't, Right. You, you right. can't play quarterback with a broken foot. <laughs> you right. just can't. Like you, you can't. You, you, you know, and and I think Andy Reid, knowing what this win mattered, meant as far as mattering to the Chiefs and, and accomplishing what they set out to accomplish and how this is a Super Bowl or bust thing, all that in mind, he said, Chad, you're in. Because he realized that Mahomes was going to want to stay in no matter what and could have really furthered the injury like let's say yeah. that that thing is broken i mean that could, that could be a mess if he stays in that game and mm-hmm. then you're think, talking about next season so on and so forth and so i don't know what the conversation was like he's he's kept it a little close to the vest and and just as sort of said it, it was a fight to get him out of the game but i'm sure he said in one way or another listen pat you got to go get these tests or you're not going back in and so mahomes went into the locker room meanwhile chad is just chatting away Scoring a touchdown, no big deal after 18 weeks cold, good for him. <laughs> and then once they identified, okay, there was no break here, who knows what had to happen for him to be pain-free to play on it. Um, but they then they said, okay, we think we could protect, he, we think he can protect himself. He's, he's going to be okay. You're not sacrificing next week. You're not sure, sacrificing yeah. next year, so on and so forth. And it was a short leash. And Mahomes who is an insane human being at one point even scrambled, like <laughs> just does not care about his own body. Uh, and, and Andy Reid said at that point that he felt like Mahomes was okay. But, wow, what a wild set of circumstances. And kudos to the head coach for just in a moment where I think you could easily said, oh, you okay? You, you, know, you just want to stay in? Let's do it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. was just, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, that's why he's the czar of the, the Chiefs franchise, the, the, jar, the czar of, of Chiefs kingdom because – I mean, that's, that's a tough decision to make in the moment, and I think he made the right one, and, and the Chiefs get away with the, the victory. And, and, you know, a big part of that was Reed, confidence in Henny, and, and Henny being able to, to do what he did. So that's, uh, that's why football is a team game, John, as they said. The marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' 27-20 to victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. They move on to Sunday, 5.30 p.m. Arrowhead time, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals for the AFC title. When we come back, we'll round up the – key news and, and headlines we had going into this game and then we'll finish up with a flash poll that we put out this morning see how you guys feel about what we asked this is the arrowhead pride editor show back here on the arrowhead pride editor show finishing up with our news roundup and i want to start here john this is just a reminder of where we are when it comes to injuries because when you get an injury to the mvp quarterback the other one's Obviously get overshadowed, but we're going to be watching for the first injury report when it comes to McCole Hardman. Still has not played since week nine. When you're dealing with a Mahomes injury, you don't get any update from the head coach on the wide receiver that is a, a key role <laughs> player for you. 
So we didn't we didn't get any update from Andy Reid in that that Monday presser. And then you have Clyde Edwards Elaire with the high ankle himself, Jody Fortson with the elbow elbow subluxation. Sorry, Dakota, if I pronounced that incorrectly. Um, <laughs> that we're still waiting to see if they they would be activated, but they uh, have been up from injured reserve. Um, they're still on injured reserve. Chiefs now have about 14 days to activate them. I don't know if they get activated. I mean, they they just might be practicing to to get them some work before the offseason. We'll see. I will be watching, obviously, for Mahomes, but Hardman is someone that we think has a chance, John, at this point. that It's anyone's guess, I, I feel like, when it comes to Yeah, McCall. well, it is. It is anyone's guess because we know so little about the situation that he's in, and that's just the way it's going to be, apparently. But I, one of the things I find interesting about this is at the beginning of the season, everybody probably would have welcomed uh, Hardman being injured because there weren't that many people who thought he was adding much value to the team. Yeah. Oh, what a difference a season makes mm-hmm. when he's out of the game for a while and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we kind of need this guy. And uh, so I think it's in a lot of ways kind of uh, turned the narrative about Hardman on his head yeah, because um, uh, I think people didn't really quite understand what would be missing from the offense without him. Certainly, nobody thinks he's going to be the number one wide receiver at this or any other time. But uh, he was making a valuable contribution to the team, and I think that's a lot more clear now. Yeah, and this is just something we do. It's been a weird deal for Hardman. So, I mean, mm-hmm. first and foremost is like, let's hope that he's all right because yeah, it, it's. Yeah gone from illness and injury to groin to pelvis to like dude what is wrong with you like and clearly had a setback last week weird deal i wonder what it means for next year because his contract is up i don't Mm -hmm. believe he's going to break the bank after this year not his fault no injuries happen but doesn't mean the chiefs can keep him because they have a need at at wide receiver as as far as as bodies in in the room would he want to stay in kansas city or is he going to maybe take a one-year flyer where somewhere where he feels like he might have more opportunity to be like that classic downfield route running receiver more so than what has been a little bit of a gadgety usage type deal sure, yeah. in, in Kansas City. So I, I think with Hardman and, and this injury deal comes questions about the offseason and the future. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll stay on top of it at our, at our head. Probably we'll see if, if he's able to practice this week. Uh, he on Twitter has just seemed to stay optimistic. So I, I think the key mm-hmm. will be getting that 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 sought after FP full practice designation on Wednesday. And, and we'll see. You, just you know, I didn't to... I didn't I'm know sorry, until I... this week until it was referenced in one of our articles that um, that Hardman had never missed a game during Before his this. NFL career until uh, until yeah. this happened. And um, uh, I thought that was kind of amazing. And so. You know, that's another thing that that Hardman brings is availability. And um, uh, that's something that I think we didn't really quite appreciate about him until he was. Jared, Jared wrote up what Juju had to say about McColl leading into the week. And and this was the quote from Smith Schuster. Guys like Kadarius Tony Sky, they're stepping up in a big role. McColl's a great player. He's helped us out tremendously. And he's still helping us now, getting the guys ready as far as the stuff that has carried for McColl. I think the chemistry is everyone just working for, together. The number one goal to win the game and make it to the next round. It's just nice that we have so many players to play different positions and still go out there and perform. And then Juju went on to say he's been helpful in the meeting rooms and helping out with the young guys, mm-hmm. kind of what a, yeah. a vet would do. So McCole Hardman has still been helping out behind the scenes. You see him in 
you know, what equates to the Chiefs version of street clothes on the sideline. He, he is talking to guys <laughs> as these games are going on and just not has been able to not, not a, he hasn't been able to enter the game in a, in a long time here. So we'll see if Hardman finally gets on the field for the AFC title game. Chiefs defensive backs coach Dave Merritt entering this game against the Jaguars had maybe the best quote of the year. It's hard for me to explain to you what strawberries taste like if you've never tasted strawberries. <laughs> Merritt's, Merritt's got to talk to us every week. I, you know, I he he's a, a guy that really shoots you straight. Um, and he in that quote was saying, we have a lot of rookies playing for us, especially in his room, the defensive back room. We, we talked about Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie and the, the marinated takeaways. But this is this is true. Every playoff game that they get, you, you got to think the confidence level will will rise. And, you know, if you are able to win this game on, on Sunday, now the rookies that you're relying on have two games of playoff experience, John. And I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah, they did a great job uh, this this last weekend. I was very impressed with how the rookies did. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't perfect. Uh, we shouldn't expect them to be perfect. They're rookies, yeah. but they've continued to pr- improve all season and uh, and did and did pretty well. It's going to be a big challenge for them um, on Sunday against the Bengals. They've got some really tough receivers in that in that team. So. Um, but I've been very encouraged for what I've seen from these kids this year. It's very, very encouraging. The Chiefs made two roster moves before Saturday's divisional round game. Austin Ryder and Marcus Kemp called up from the practice squad, but they were ultimately inactive, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of a an unusual situation. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to probably activate, unless they've got something else that they've got to cover in some way, uh, they're going to activate uh, Marcus Kemp for every game in the postseason. Um, I th- was kind of surprised, frankly, that he was inactive for this game. I expected him to be active, but I wasn't really expecting Austin Ryder to be active because I thought the Chiefs were activating him just so he could get a, a full game yeah. paycheck uh, for a game. They've they've uh, he's been a, a a guy the Chiefs have counted on this year not only to be a reserve center and uh, participate in the scout team in that way, but also someone who has been willing to be pushed around. <laughs> They've released him and, and uh, re-signed him a couple of times so they could do other things. He's been very flexible about that, and I think this was the Chiefs' way of saying thank you for, for being that guy for us this season. Yeah, I'm not trying to uh, make one of those crude jokes. He's really the 69th man because you have 53 <laughs> members of the roster and then now you have the 16-man practice squad and there have been times when he's he needs to be released for a procedural thing and he becomes player 70 and before next week rolls around and he's back on the roster as the, the mm-hmm. 69th man. So Mr. 69, uh, Austin Ryder. <laughs> Chris Jones on his playoff uh, sack drought said that he would make sure he got one this go around just to shut you guys up. This was my question at the press conference. Didn't love uh, getting this from Chris Jones, but it was in a playful matter. He was saying just to shut you guys up. I need to get a sack. I think he had 12 games, playoff games without a sack going into the the Jaguars Mm -hmm. game. And he was mean to me, John. And guess what? At the end of this game, he still had no sacks in the playoffs. So I think if you're a Chiefs fan that you hope that this, this changes against the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah. I don't think it was because he was mean to you. I'm yeah, just, well, you know, look, sorry. Karma, I'm karma, not buying karma that. will get you. Okay. Yeah, karma okay. will get you. Uh, <laughs> we should tell you that Frank Clark had quite the game. And, yes, he did. Uh, 
and uh, what the the interesting thing about that was he was he got his buddy James Palmer of NFL Network before the game, and he said, "I'm going to come out basically like a bat out of hell." And then he he played pretty well and was able to get a sack. Derek Naughty, members of the old guard, were able to to get home, and I think that's a good sign going into Sunday. If you're talking about the biggest point to watch in this game, John, A, Mahomes' health is, is going to be key, right? Um, I think when, from a Chiefs defensive standpoint, it's just making Burrow uncomfortable. If there's one thing the Chiefs have mm-hmm. not been able yeah. to do, yeah, it's make Burrow uncomfortable. And so I, I think we're going to be looking at, at Chris Jones early. You know, you had those moments Last year, especially the one I, I think everyone remembers where Jones was diving at his feet and Burrow was able to escape and everybody knows what happened after that. And so I think this is going to be a, a key point to watch heading into Sunday, John. Yeah. Well, it's a, another another way that the whole team is going to have to participate in order to get a win uh, in yeah. this game. They're, they're just not going to be able to depend on Patrick Mahomes like we've become accustomed to them doing. Uh, when the when the chips don't fall the way we want them to, we always depend on Patrick Mahomes to be a hero, and that's going to be a lot harder for him this time. Although if he is, he'll be an even bigger he- hero than ever because we know he'll be working hard to do it. So, Juju Smith-Schuster said there was no beef with Andre Sisco, the Jaguars' safety who knocked him out of the game. Sisco actually reached out to him in direct messages and apologized for the hit, and you didn't really see anything from that in this game so it seems like that beef is squashed five years after Patrick Mahomes began starting the coaches are still gushing over what he can do this was a quote from quarterbacks coach Matt Nagy Mahomes is so locked in right now it has not changed literally from when I first got here in OTAs when I really noticed it was training camp and then from day one week one until now he's not changing he's very very focused on our opponent he's very focused on staying within the system and doing what he does best it never ends with him his mindset is that way and it's kind of really always been that way. And then I thought this was uh, an angle that was interesting that we don't really get to hear from Steve Spagnuolo. Patrick's a typical elite player. He makes the other 10 guys around him better. You can see that all the time. You see it in practice, and you see it on the field. So predictably, to an extent, John, just continuing to rave about Patrick Mahomes. And look, this is still a guy who is so accomplished and – I think that it, it, it's legitimate that he does not ever want to stop improving. And I know so much will be made about his, his injury this week, uh, but even playing through his injury, like I, I bet you there will be aspects of Mahomes working this week where it's like, okay, maybe I can't do this. Well, how can I make up for that? And, and I think it's going to be in that extra film prep. I wonder if, I wonder if they're going to have to, just like they tried to kick him out of the game the other day, kick him out of the building this week when he's trying to get that extra film work on these Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, well, I'd like to see him try to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to make him go get an X-ray, but to say, no, you can't watch any more film. You have to go home. Yeah, Too much. good luck with good luck with that. <laughs> Too much film. Uh, it's official, John. The Chiefs will be playing one game in Germany during the 2023 season. I've talked to people. This is a home game. So everyone that's been designated so far, but the beauty of that now, and I think it's part of the reason why the NFL went to 17 games, is even when you, quote-unquote, host a game in Germany, which is one of the markets for the, the Chiefs, you're still getting eight other home games. So that, I think, plays into the NFL's push for 17 games. I, I think when you only had 16 before, 
And one of those home games was going overseas or to an, an, a country like a Mexico. You were losing that Arrowhead experience and you were only getting that seven times. Whereas now I think it's a little bit better because you're still getting that classic eight games where that, that ninth game will be inter international. And you wonder where this goes. I think, I, I think eventually maybe every team has one international game every year and it's more common than, than we mm-hmm. realize. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, because you know, that's the way the NFL wants, but I, I, I want to ask you about this because I know there was some conversation about this, that the NFL pushed through this idea of having the neutral site, uh, division or excuse me, conference championship game, because they want to do that, um, in the future. What's your take on that? Do you, do you buy that, that concept yeah. that this was a, a trial balloon? Well, you know, I, I think it's going to have to get passed by owners. And, and I think you're seeing reports from Monday morning quarterback and football morning in America. That's Breer and King, that that is going to be the push for the NFL. I try to make make sense of these things sometimes where I think the majority of teams in the league would want to have that revenue split mm-hmm. to an extent. I think they would have really liked to have seen it and how it looked by, you know, quote unquote, making it fair. This year between the Chiefs and the Bills, I, I think the NFL was really excited about the idea of you having that bowl game crowd where you have the TCU fans on one side and the Georgia fans on another, where it would have been Chiefs on one side and Bills and in a way a mini Super Bowl. And and I just wonder though, like for a guy like Clark Hunt, mm-hmm. or let's just say for argument's sake, um, you know, a team that uh, another team that's been consistent is the 49ers here. Um, you know, why would those owners want to want to do that and not have that such a, a game hosted in a Kansas city when a can help the city with people coming in and, and going to restaurants and stuff like that. And be that the ticket sales that you keep as opposed to going to other owners, right? Like I, I don't know. And, and concessions and, and whatnot. So, Maybe most of the owners would, would maybe agree to something like that because everybody wants a piece and, and there's only so many successful, consistent teams. But I just, of those successful teams, which Clark Hunt has become, wasn't always the case. Like Maybe right. there would have been mm-hmm. a case yeah. 10 years ago where Clark was like, yeah, let's get the AFC title here at Arrowhead. <laughs> We're not going to ever be in it, but it's different now. Yeah. So I just wonder how those conversations go behind closed doors. These are things that the NFL likes to talk about uh, each and, and every year. As I've talked to more people about it that I know, it, it, it there's an Id, a prevailing idea among the NFL where they could create, in a sense, in addition to the Super Bowl, two mini Super Bowls. And I think their sense is you can only do that by having neutral sites making it a destination type of event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think to an extent they're right. I just wonder how all the money and all that aspect would work in, in that case. Would it be the league splitting it? What's the split? What do the other teams get? Is Clark Hunt still making his money? How much is now going to, to Buffalo, right? That would have been in it. I, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of questions to be answered, but it does seem like something the NFL wanted to try. And I'm sure that there's some people at Park Avenue in, in New York that are kind of disappointed today that they're not going to get to see what it would have looked like without them having to say, you know, we're going to move forward with this. Well, I'd I'd just like to make a point about this. I understand why the NFL would see this as attractive, and I can understand why there might be owners who would see an opportunity to get a postseason game where they might not not otherwise get one. Okay, I I get all that. 
But I'm telling you right now, if the NFL decides this has to be another game that takes place in a domed stadium <laughs> with a with a ridiculous halftime show, yeah. I'm going to be way against this. I think it's okay to put up with that for the Super Bowl. But I think if the, the that if they're going to do this and make this as a cherry that they can hand around to teams that that don't get the opportunities uh, to have championship games in their stadiums and, and so on and so forth, then it ought to be something that uh, teams that play outdoors in cold environments can get. And I I I just I'm just I feel really strongly about that because I I just feel like the Super Bowl thing has gotten kind of ridiculous in, in yeah. that aspect of it. I don't think and, it's fair for for fans of the team that have waited to host that game either because it's, let's say you're a season ticket holder, right? Like, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You you know there are fans out there that would not be able to afford to book a a week in Arizona or weekend in Arizona right. pay for the hotels and flights and have to see a Super Bowl. But well, you know what? Getting to see if your team can be the AFC champions for, you know, a more affordable price because you're getting first access to those tickets. And yeah, it's going to be more expensive, but at least, at least it it's, right. you know, at a, at a face coming from the team where you can say, okay, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Well, not in Kansas city. It's every year, but <laughs> once in a lifetime thing for most fan bases where it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, this this will be worth the memory, you know, yeah. or at least if you're a season ticket holder, you're like, I, I want to have the option. And I know that there's a lot of season ticket holders here in KC that will pick one or two playoff games to sell. To, and this is not encouraged, but they sell them at a page for the whole year. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. That's part of being a season ticket holder and figuring out how you how you want to do it. And that should right. be part of the deal. And man, that's such a significant blow to the idea of having season tickets if it's just suddenly. Yeah. Oh, it's going well, to be in a different and, place. And I want to make it clear: I'm not in favor of this idea. I think that the 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 conference yeah. championship games should continue to be. I, I think that first round, that 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 number one seed, you know, the playoffs, the the road to the Super Bowl comes through our stadium. I think that's a thing yeah. that still needs to be part of the equation. I I know I'm not really in favor of this at all, but I I was just making the point that I understand what the NFL is thinking about. But I'm just I'm going to be really upset about this if this just becomes another thing where a dome stadium well, gets more perks. That's you're not just getting those classic playoff games either. I mean, we were all watching in Kansas City yesterday as the Bills hosted the Bengals. Yeah. If you're doing it in domes and places like Florida every year, I mean, you're not getting those classic mm-hmm. snow. I mean, how fun was it watching Bengals yeah. and Bills in the snow? I mean, yeah. the the elements is is a part of of the game and, and should be in playoff football. I mean, they, they've always moved the Super Bowl around and I, I get why the Super Bowl has moved around and, you know, you want it in a place that mm-hmm. can handle it and you don't want the weather impacting. I get, I get all that, right. You, you've, you've made it such a, an event. I don't think it, it would be the right move to, to take the, that the conference title games away from these places that get to host it. Cause I think that there's, there are unique wrinkles that, mm-hmm. that go into those, those games. Yeah. All right, let's go to our flash poll. The AFC Championship, a poll for Chiefs fans. John, I put out there mm-hmm. about 2 o'clock. Chiefs win in a blowout. Chiefs win in a close game. Bengals win in a close game. Bengals win in a blowout. We have nearly 4,000 votes on this poll. What do you think? 
the the fans are are saying. Mm, I think uh, Chiefs in a close game will be your number one response. Chiefs win in a close game. That's right, seventy one percent. So yeah. almost mm-hmm. three fourths of fans uh, in Kansas City, or at least who follow our pride and aren't trolls. I know there's some of you Bengals fans voting on this poll. <laughs> Chiefs win in a close game, seventy one percent. Next up, Bengals win in a close game, fifteen point six percent. Chiefs win in a blowout, 9.1%. Bengals win in a blowout. Only 4% of our Twitter followers have voted for Bengals win in a blowout. So the predominant amount of Chiefs fans believe that this is going to be a hard-fought game, but 71% thinks the Chiefs win in a close battle. I, I tend to agree right now. I, I'm not going to let him talk today because of what he said, but Steve, before he got on the air, said he thinks the Bengals are going to win. So we're not going <laughs> to let him speak on the air. show. But thank you to Steve for the great job that he does we will have our our usual shows this week as we head into the conference championship right here on the arrowhead pride podcast network so again thank you to steve if you leave a rating and a review we will read it right here on the editor show thank you to john dixon for both john and steve my name is pete sweeney this has been another episode of the arrowhead pride editors show 